Super One. In case you were just way too busy to listen to our last show, this is what you missed. The one toy you have to have. Mandalorian. Have to, uh, that character is going to go great against my Boba Fett. You're, gonna play, you're like, oh, I'm going to fight you. <laughs> I'm going to fight you, too. Come here, a Mandalorian. I'm better than you. You're a fake Mandalorian. You're just wearing my armor. Come here. <laughs> Next thing we know, he's going to start up a new Instagram account and start doing those little, like, photo shoots oh, no, with his no, action no. figures. I, I do do that. <laughs> oh, do you yes, really? I do. Even get out of the studio. Oh. <laughs> Warning from the back to tank contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a matter of royal to help and heal human I am a Jedi, like my father before me. All right, hello, welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. I am Michael Flores, the host of this Back to Tank, and we are traveling at speeds into other dimensions through force portals. We might just run into the Colossus. Maybe we'll find Ezra. (laughs) Look out for the space worm. All right, so we have a lot to get through, Dave. I'm, I feel like I'm repeating myself every week, but we have a lot to get through. Oh, there is a lot. It's it, picking up. It's starting to pick up. They're just <laughs> dumping things on us at this point, which we knew this was going to happen. We knew it was going to be a little quiet for a while, and then come this fall, I mean, The Mandalorian, Star Wars Resistance Season 2, The Rise of Skywalker, Fallen Order, Clone Wars. For the next six to seven months, it is going to be so busy from the Star Wars side of things. Yes. And this we are be, getting this ready. Will be Kathleen Kennedy basically making everyone happy. Yes. Everyone happy. Say bye to your wives, kiss your children goodbye, uh, because we will not be coming home for a while. We won't. We're like sailors going to war. <laughs> and we have ladies on every port. Or men, if you're into that, right? Every Twi'lek yeah. that we run into. Oh, yeah. Every Twi'lek or Ray that we can find at a port. Nah, give me a Twi'lek. I would at least take, something I can hold on to. I would, I would take Dr. Afra. Yeah, yeah, but see, the problem with Afra is she might not like you. Well, she won't, <laughs> she but, you know, there's an appeal to that. The, the, the forbidden, what you can't have. <laughs> I'd be like, I will do whatever I have to, Afra. He's like, oh, well, cut your dick off. I'm like, well, if <laughs> well that's what it's going to take. Black chrysanthemum has been lonely. Oh, Wait, what? <laughs> First, you have to you make you have to make black Chris. Uh, is it chrysanthemum? Chrysanthemum, yeah, chrysanthemum. You yeah. make black chrysanthemum happy. And Dave, you know, we wonder why we don't make any like must listen to Star Wars podcasts <laughs> like lists. You know, because I, I take it I take it very personal when people tweet me, "Hey, check out my new favorite podcast list of Star Wars shows." 
and from the back to tank is nowhere to be found. I'm like, do you think we're just too dirty? They're like, oh my god, potty mouths, potty, potty mouths. mouths. They're talking about having sex with Ray and Twilix and Doctor Afro. I can't believe it. Whatever. Don't pretend you didn't watch that Star yeah, don't, Wars don't porn parody. Don't lie to us. Don't lie to us. You have a dark side too. Yeah, every hot blooded male out there has definitely looked up that VR porn. Not just hot blooded male, hot blooded female. Yeah, that's true, Dave. Or whatever else. <laughs> For all them thems out there, right? For all exactly. those thems. Thems. Yeah. All right. So let's get down to business. Marvel's Kevin Fage is developing a new Star Wars movie. This is the biggest news. Dave, how do you feel about this? Because I have some strong feelings, mostly positive. What were your initial thoughts, Dave, when this dropped? About Kevin Feige, I was actually pretty excited about it because if there's someone out there, there's only a few producers slash filmmakers, you know, that I feel we as fans can trust. And Kevin Feige is one of those ones that, yes, we can trust. He will do what's best for a franchise. You know, same thing with J.J. Abrams. Abrams, whether you whether you agree with some of his directions, they work. They do work. Kevin's, whether you agree with Kevin's uh, directions with some Marvel uh, properties, it still works. Yes. Now, for those that don't know who Kevin Feige is, he's the gentleman that's been in control of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He's yes. the one that has made it and shaped it to where it's at today. Uh, most would say that's a good thing. There are some that say it's not so good. But the point is, is this is an executive. Let's remember this. Okay. Yeah, he has the producer credit, but this guy is an executive. This is a businessman. And what he has done for Marvel is a success. Whether you like all the movies or not, the point is, is that he is one of, no, Dave, he's the only one who has managed to successfully tie together numerous movies into one giant story. He, there is no other. He is the first person in cinematic history that has accomplished what he has. No one else comes close. Are there people in charge of franchises? Yes. People that are in charge of a string of movies that are connected, like say George Lucas did with his first six movies. And you have, of course, producers that over, you know, who, who oversaw um, the Harry Potter films, but there's always several people involved, different directions and stories. Kevin Fage is the man who has done it with one franchise from beginning to end. No, I agree with that. I was about to actually say there has to be someone else out there. There isn't, Dave. Who? But when I think I about mean, it. Snyder for Warner Brothers was originally, right, going to be that? Yeah, but then he, they, he dropped out. He gave him it. the axe. They gave him the axe. Kevin, is, Kevin Fage is one of the, yeah, he's probably the only one. Because even if I think of like even like the bigger filmmakers out there, like say a Spielberg, right, or Abrams, or they're even great. You brought up Lucas, they're great at doing their movies. But you also have to exactly throw in the fact that Kevin Feig had to deal with. Everyone thinks that it's Marvel is one property. No, he's having to deal with multiple properties within one larger property because he had to deal with Spider Man. He has to deal with Iron Man. That's he has right. To deal yeah. with. 
Avengers. Those are all separate entities. The best onto way themselves. to yeah, absolutely. And the best way to look at him, Dave, I would say, is less like a movie producer. Yes, a businessman and executive. Yes, absolutely. But a showrunner. Yeah. In years past, there was a big difference in the way you write television and handle television and you handle movies. For TV, the writer, the showrunner, who's the executive producer of the TV show, is in charge of everything in that TV show. He doesn't direct necessarily sometimes, but mostly they sit behind the scenes and they are the creative force that helps the story move forward. They give insight and advice here and there, and they're the ones who are responsible for the end product. Movies are very different. You have one director. If you're dealing with a studio, then you have a studio head that usually has final cut. But for the most part, the end all on that movie is the director. Is the director. The writer doesn't matter. And cinematographers don't matter when it comes down to things. It's the director. He is the boss. But things have changed from the MCU side of things. Suddenly, Kevin Feige is the showrunner. And all the directors he brings on are allowed creative freedom. But for the most part, they're answering to one man, much like directors and writers do on a television set. That being said, Dave, he has managed to do something that no one else has done. But now he has thrown his hat into Star Wars. And the question, the long-winded question, the reason why we we went round and round was to pose this question. What's the point of this? Why is he throwing his hat into the ring to direct a Star Wars film? And he is going to direct a Star Wars movie. What does this mean? You never bring two general managers to a store. You don't do that. I've worked in business my entire life. When another general manager works with another general manager, that means something's happening. You do not bring Kevin Fague into Kathleen Kennedy's sandbox unless something's about to change. Now, we know Kathleen Kennedy has an extended contract. It was three years. Those three years are up in 2021. Yes. Whether or not they choose to renew that contract remains to be seen. And it has everything to do with what happens over the next six months. Well, would you see, would you actually see something like a partnership? What Kathleen Kennedy has with JJ, with JJ Abrams. Different Dave. Could they do something like Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige? Dave, let's let me, let me answer this. And let me ask you the question, Dave, if you were, directing your baby okay a movie that you've been working on for years it was all you and suddenly someone said yeah you know what we're gonna bring another successful director not to uh not not to undermine anything you're doing but this guy comes with a resume that's a little intimidating he's essentially doing your job someplace else and he's doing it better let's be honest oh yeah that's intimidating. And it's a statement. They're saying something, Dave. You don't do those types of decisions. I know there's people on social media saying, oh, don't look for something that's not there. It's there. You do not bring on someone like this unless there's a reason for it. You don't bring this guy on just to simply direct a movie. They are testing the waters. Hey, your contract's up in three years, Kathleen. Let's uh, possibly get things ready for this guy to take more of a creative more creative control over this franchise let's see what he can do here let's see what he can do here and that's what we that is what is happening without a doubt that is what 
is happening. Well, now, whether or not he ends up taking control remains to be seen. Like I said, a lot is riding on the next six months. We have a lot coming out. Oh, yeah. But listen, it's not a bad thing. Kathleen Kennedy has done wonders since 2012. By 2021, she had she would have been in charge for almost night for just about 10 years. Yeah, about a decade. Almost a decade. That's a great run. And maybe after nine years, there's time. There's possibly it's time for hand over the reins. Yeah. And Kevin Fahey, Fague, I should say, should be that guy or could be that guy. Now, there is a con here, Dave. Yes. Is he capable of weaving together this massive story that works seamlessly? Absolutely, he is. He's he proven is. himself. Yes. But this is my problem with it. I don't want fucking Marvel for Star Wars. Aha. Yes. And, and that's what I'm afraid of because we already have Marvel people throwing in their two cents now. Well, I want in a Star Wars I movie. Want it. Yeah, you I want in a Star Wars. <laughs> I want in a Star Wars film. And now suddenly we're going to have Star Wars with Marvel funk. And I don't know if I want that. Now, if Kevin Feig brings his know-how into Star Wars, and I know we're jumping the gun here, but let's, it's, it's the obvious topic. So we can't just pretend it doesn't exist here. We have to talk about the pros and cons, right? Yes. Okay. If Feig takes over, is he going to want to do this like Star Wars? Is he going to have more superficial stories like Marvel? I mean, for the most part, unless you're dealing with Tony Stark, the stories have been pretty superficial. Yes, they have. For the Marvel yeah. side of things. Uh, Peter Parker's story has been pretty good. Tony Stark's story has been pretty good. But other than that, the stories have been kind of superficial. They have been fun, highly lucrative. But have they been have they been as relevant and filled with substance like Star Wars has in the past? They have not. No. So that's the only negative I see with this. Will Kevin Feige be able to step away and hire? Will he be a true manager, a showrunner and say, hey, you can do it. You can do it. He obviously has an eye for talent, right? Yes, that's the thing. He has an eye for talent that he could probably bring in. The question becomes, what is his, if he is the guy that basically is going to take over the reins, what's his visuals of the franchise? What is his vision of the franchise? We all know that basically, especially after Avengers Endgame, when they did the whole background of all the Marvel movies all together, his initial vision was Iron Man. That was the narrative. Yeah. Iron Man was the narrative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was the string of the was the string of everything. Everything else, just as you pointed out, was superficial. Was it fun? Yeah, it was. But there wasn't anything behind it when you think about it. And now, now I'm beginning to see a lot of people be more critical on the Marvel movies by looking back and saying, you know, I don't quite remember that one. Why? Because it doesn't stick out. Why was it fun? Well, it was superficial and it was fun. It was flashy and it had its great moments. But at the end of the day, did it matter anything? Not really. Did it push that character forward? Not really. Yeah. And that's, I'm with you. My main concern is what is Kevin Feig's vision then? If he's going to be named Star Wars president, president of Star Wars, what is his vision? Yeah. Well, I can see Dave. I can see them. Using Kathleen as, hey, she's the one who came in uh, and wrapped up the Skywalker saga, which would make sense to a lot of people possibly because she has been involved in some way with Lucas for many, 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 many years. It's the reason why she was chosen. 
I'm like, hey, the Skywalker saga is done. Kathleen, you have wrapped it up. And now it's time to move into new story territory. Yes. With possibly new oversight. I can see that happening. And I don't think I think a lot of people would view that as a negative, right? Oh, look at they fired Kathleen. But is it really? They renewed her contract in the mm-hmm. middle, in the middle of chaos when everyone thought she would be fired, right? In the middle of a giant phantom upheaval, they renewed her contract. Yeah. Okay, for three years. So I don't think if they were to replace her eventually with Kevin Fake, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't no. think it's a slight. I don't think it's a slight. I don't think it's an insult to Kathleen Kennedy. It's, hey, you worked with us for nine years, and now we're going another direction. That's exactly. It. And and it's no knock on what she's done because Kathleen Kennedy, all really Kathleen Kennedy has been trying to do is maintain the image of Star Wars and, main, you know, maintain the ship. That's it. Maintain the ship. George handed it over to Kathleen Kennedy. Kathleen Kennedy said, okay, I'm going to do this as the protege of George Lucas. Okay. Has she done that? Yeah. She's done a fantastic job being basically just the kind of like keeping the, keeping the image of star Wars out there. Yeah. She's done a good job. Yeah. Now the question becomes when I think about Kevin Feige doing this, it tells me that basically Disney wants to, do something different. Well, Dave, that's that's pretty clear. And I think they've always wanted to do something different. But in the end, sometimes when you try too hard to be different, you end up not being too, you end up being too different. Exactly. And that's a problem that has, according, I mean, according to many, many, many Star Wars fans, that's the biggest problem with this new era of Star Wars, or at least the movies, the, the new sequel movies, is that, uh, they chose to go another direction. And this is something, Dave, that has also been announced recently. But Bob Iger has admitted finally, officially, because this has been this rumor has been going around since 2013. You and I have spoken about this over and over and over about George Lucas's <laughs> accusations yes. about Force Awakens not doing anything new and being very upset about certain things. And then he apologized later. Well, now we find out officially from Bob Iger's mouth that they deliberately, deliberately went a different direction. When they had told Lucas, his words promised, Dave, that they would be doing George Lucas's story. When they purchased Lucasfilm in 2012, they also purchased the rights to George Lucas's outline the three movies that would that we would be seeing in 2012 when Kathleen Kennedy I talk about this all the time because it's very important the video from 2012 where Kathleen Kennedy and George Lucas were talking together Lucas was talking about the future of Star Wars as if he was involved story and all and now how embarrassing and how fucked up is it that they had no intention they allow Lucas to hand it off with a smile. He's actually doing the 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 the, the duty of a of a, a creator, trying yeah. to make sure the fans are happy. He's giving them his the stamp of approval. He's the torchbearer. They're allowing him to do all of that, Dave. All of it, without telling him what their real intentions were. How embarrassing is that to George Lucas when you think about it? Yes, it's a, he made four billion dollars, and some people can shrug and say, "Well, the dude made four billion dollars. Who gives a shit?" But at the same time, how insulting is that, that they had no intention to use his outline 
but they allowed him to toe the company line so that they all look good during this transitional period. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, dude, that's fucked, man. It's it's messed up that when it comes out that basically they're, they didn't, at the end of the day, didn't listen to George Lucas's ideas because in a way – and yet to they Lucas, and to it, Lucas, it's validating every negative thing that fans have said about Lucas, and now his peers are telling him that, <laughs> dude. Okay, so how fucked up is that? Well, <laughs> well, yeah, and it's it's okay. So first off, I think Bob Iger's a bit. He's trying to sell books because this was all released in an upcoming book, but I also think he made himself look stupid because it shows that they made a mistake. We already know that this new era of Star Wars is highly polarizing. It has split the fandom like nothing has ever done. And for the most part, I again, I enjoyed this is just me reporting the news and stating my thoughts. I don't feel like I don't really want to get into like the sequels and whether they're good or not. That's not the point of this discussion. The point is, is that why would you choose not to follow the creator of this universe? Why would you just completely trash his ideas and then admit it publicly? He says in his book, J.J. Abrams or Iger describes a tense meeting in which Lucasfilm head (laughs) Kathleen Kennedy took director J.J. Abrams and writer Michael Arndt to meet with Lucas in Northern California. Imagine J.J. Abrams, who was so happy because he's an avid fan of Lucas. Oh, yeah. How how awful. Would you feel as JJ like you guys hired me? I said, yes. And now you're taking me to a meeting to tell Lucas that this isn't the story we're going to do. Yeah. So the Star Wars creator became upset when they described their ideas for the plot. Though Iger said he'd been careful not to mislead Lucas. Right. About Disney's intentions. He acknowledges Lucas had taken Disney's purchase of his treatments as a promise that they would be used. I could have talked through this with him and possibly avoided angering him by not surprising him. Iger writes now in the first meeting with him about the future of star Wars, George felt betrayed. And while this whole process would never have been easy for him, we'd gotten off on an unnecessarily rocky start. And that's why there's been problem after problem after problem, Dave. Yeah. I mean, Lucas had the entire story written out for you. Why would you not take at least a look at it and say, Hey, you know what? This will work. We and, can and make it work. We can make this work because Lucas knows what, whether we want to accept it now, Lucas knows what star Wars is. Yeah. It, 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 it really does like make me think of all the times us fans always berated George Lucas saying that he should have done this. He should have done this. When it comes full circle today and you see this, you kind of, you, for me, it leaves that thought process in my brain that we've all been saying that George should have done this. Right. Who are we to actually tell George Lucas how he should do his I'll idea? never understand that, Dave. I'll never understand those negative people <laughs> who bash George Lucas. I will never understand it because these are Star Wars fans bashing George Lucas. Why? Why? There are six movies out there made by George Lucas. We have this new era of Star Wars where they've done th- two so far of, of the Skywalker storyline. And you're using these two movies to bash George Lucas. Like it doesn't 
make sense for you to bash the very man who created this world that you are a fan of yeah is the man perfect no i no. we already know this he's not perfect but it's it, not it, perfect but I mean, it does baffle me and none of this is new necessarily it's new that we got confirmation we have been talking about this since day one uh, mark hamill is one of the few people who who shared with us that there was an outline years yeah. ago on years social ago. media when he said uh, he doesn't understand why Disney didn't go with Lucas's original story. He felt before this is before Last Jedi came out and he ended up liking the movie, according to Mark Hamill's tweets and, and interviews. Yes. He feels like he was wrong in the end, but he had said that he felt like they should have used Lucas's original story for these stories. So we knew there was an outline out there. It was talked about. There were leaks out there. So well, now, especially that, after that interview with Lucas and James Cameron, when Lucas literally <laughs> gave his freaking idea out to everybody. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, this would have been a better idea to actually deal with Luke it, than anything especially else. Especially because it's dealing with the mystical side of the force, which is what the Skywalker storyline is. You're dealing with the prophecy of the chosen one. And yet we have not got, I'm getting into sequel territory. But that's part of my frustration. These movies are fun, but why have we not progressed the world of Star Wars forward in a way that Lucas has done in every single movie? And ultimately, that's the problem overall. And I honestly feel that looking back at this new trilogy, whether we enjoy them or not, because I do enjoy them, we're going to look back and we're going to see how much story really progressed. And I feel like this final trilogy will have the least amount of real story. Yeah, it will. Because, like, I mean, after two movies, can you actually say that we have a full narrative? There is no story. When you really look at the two movies we got, there, dude, there is no story. Honestly, yeah. dude, there is no story. We don't know anything about Ray. It's all introduction. Okay. It's all, there is nothing take, there. Take that. Take that premise, right? And I actually found this, Do you, if you don't mind me going through this interview. And it actually comes, tells the idea of Lucas. And... How much more substantial this sounds. Lucas, oop, lost it there. Lucas previously revealed in the direction his sequel would have taken in an interview with James Cameron, stating that episode seven would have seen Luke Skywalker train up a new Jedi named Kira on a secluded planet, much like Octo. The movies would have given us a closer look at the Metachlorians, the microscopic life forms described in every living thing within every one during the prequels during the Phantom Menace. Lucas states, everyone hated it, hated it in Phantom Menace. We started to talk about midichlorians. Uh, Lucas told Cameron, Those, uh, there's a whole aspect of that movie that is about a symbiotic relationship to make you look and see we aren't the boss. And there's an ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. And he, he goes on to explain how that was going to be the basis of his trilogy to explain that there's a wider world out there and give a depth into the force. We meet Ray. <laughs> okay. There's a mystery behind her parentage, or at least they allude to that. She stumbles upon the millennium Falcon. She takes off in order to escape a coincidental incident with Finn and the first order. She meets Han Solo. She accidentally stumbles upon Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren discovers who she is, or at least the fact that she is Force-sensitive. She has the Force. She's powerful. Uh, Last Jedi happens. The Resistance runs away from the First Order. That's the story. That's the story. And 
it seems really superficial when you compare it to someone like Lucas. Well, dude, there's more story in the opening first act of The Phantom Menace than all of the sequel trilogy. And that's my biggest issue with the sequel trilogy. And I, I don't want people misconstruing this as me talking shit. I'm not. Yeah. I've said this time and time again, and I'll reiterate. I liked The Force Awakens a lot. I thought mm-hmm. it was a great start. Yeah. The Last Jedi was an exceptionally beautiful looking movie. It wasn't the best written film. It had a lot of writing issues, but I didn't hate it despite the jokes I make. Mm-hmm. But when you look at those two movies, they did not move anyone's story forward. I, I guess you can say Kylo Ren. I think Kylo Ren has probably the, the best and the Bare most bones. character progression, but we still don't truly understand him. And what makes him tick? We, we got glimpses of that with Luke Skywalker and, and him wanting to smite Kylo Ren because he sensed darkness in him. But other than that, we don't understand what his problems are with his parents, why he ran away. We don't know anything. When you compare the, these two movies to even one of Lucas's movies, it pales in comparison when it comes to story progression. Yeah, to the substance that you get. I know, and people can make fun of the fights all day long. Oh, lightsaber battles, those superheroes and jumping on cars. I'm like, well, that's what the Jedi are. I mean, yes, you have the spiritual side of things, but you also have the fact that they're larger than life. They're pulp characters. And and I'm sorry, when when you bring it up like that, oh, they're they're jumping around doing jumping on cars. Well, guess what? That's what they do in the Marvel films. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, Dave, there was just one uh, thing that was going around on social media that really just irked me. And, you know, you get these people that criticize the, the fight scene in the throne, the throne room fight scene in um, The Last Jedi. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, people, Last Jedi fans want to uh, protect their movie by bashing George Lucas. Which I think is silly, but it's then true. they start posting things. Yeah, because this lightsaber is so much better and they show the lightsaber battle at the end of Revenge of the Sith between Anakin and Obi-Wan and to say, yeah, because this matters and it shows when they're spinning their lightsabers so fast and they're not hitting each other, like, because this is what you want. Why would they do this? They're not even connecting. And I just, I chuckle a little bit at the stupidity of that question and the fact that they use that as part of their ammo to blast at George Lucas. Yeah. If you don't understand why they were doing that, then you don't understand the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yes, it's filled with love from Obi-Wan's standpoint, but it's very competitive. That is bravado, 100%. That is, the, that is them showing off. At that point, they're trying to prove who's better. Yes, that's the entire point of that scene. The fact that they're spinning their lightsaber around and around and not hitting each other into the last moments. No different than a gunfighter film where you have the standoff and you wait and you have the close up on the eyes and then you have a close up on the gun. Why don't they just pull the gun out and just shoot each other? It would make so much more sense. It's about intimidation. Yes. And if that's why I kind of laugh at that. I'm like, don't criticize that because if you don't understand that then i don't understand why you're watching star wars it's very clear so anyways let's go to a break and let's switch topics because we're we're gonna go round and round. we can talk about this for the next three years oh absolutely we're gonna take a quick break and then when we get back we're gonna talk about all the fantastic news and awesome promo posters that have been dropped on us over the past week we'll be right back The Rain Man Show. The Rain Man Show. 
I was surprised that they even existed. I didn't even know. I thought they went belly up years ago. I didn't know right. Boy Scouts was still a thing. Well, because how many people know how to do any of that stuff anymore? Tie knots, help old ladies across the street. Every member of the kink community. Okay. But listen, the kink this community were not Boy Scouts. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, useless skills that you will never use in your life, except those lonely nights when you realize you're 40, you're a Boy Scout, and you're a virgin. On your 48th camping Then you're going to be tying those sailor knots on those lonely nights. On that noose. (laughs) (laughs) For more Rain Man, visit RainManShow.com. All right, get more Star Wars from the Back to Tank each and every month when you sign up to be a Patreon pledger. Head over to Patreon.com slash Digital and pledge $5 or more a month. And you will gain access to more Star Wars from the Back to Tank discussions, ranging from book reviews, comic book discussion, and additional topical breakdowns, news, updates, you name it, we do it. Head over to patreon.com slash Digital pledge. It helps us keep the lights on in the studio. If you don't, we're going to be living in rags like Ray. <laughs> Hello, what have we here? Welcome back, everybody. Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Find us, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Just search Back to Tank. Leave us reviews. Give us thumbs up. All right. So, Dave, just announced Deborah Chow has been tapped to direct the new Obi-Wan Kenobi series that will be debuting exclusively on Disney+. Plus. This is pretty exciting. Oh, Dave, um, I don't know much of her work. I know she had recently wrapped directing an episode of The Mandalorian, and she has come with high praise from... Dave Filoni himself. That's all you got to tell me. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. If if Dave Bolo, Dave, Dave Bologna, Dave Bologna, Dave Bologna, that should be like a character in our show. <laughs> Dave Filoni. Uh, if it comes from Dave Filoni, dude, if he's confident in her, I'm confident in her. Now, the only thing, the only question this presents to me is. Okay, so Deborah Chow to direct Obi-Wan Kenobi series. The Mandalorian, okay, if people don't know this, TV shows are directed by lots of different directors. If you have a 23-episode season, you're probably going to have 23 different directors. Sometimes you'll have one of those directors direct two or three episodes a season, but for the most part, you're changing it up. And they do that for a lot of reasons. As I said at the top of the show, TV is very different than film. Yes. You direct TV, or the, the, the main person in charge of the TV show is the showrunner. It seems like they're treating the Obi-Wan series like a movie. And in fact, we had talked when this was announced, Dave, you and I talked about how strange they promoted this. And they said it's like an eight hour movie. Right. Is that what they said? It's like uh, that. That is exactly what they said. It seems like they are tackling this series more like a movie opposed to a TV series because Deborah Chow to direct Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Is she the end all? Is there no other directors? It seems very clear that she is 
going to be the one directing the entire series. So that being said, Dave, it does this substantiate the rumor that Obi-Wan was originally a movie. I think it does. So because this was written like a movie, they're going to continue to proceed as this, as if this was a feature film, a feature film. And I, I mean, we've, we've all been saying that basically that project has been talked about for the longest time. There's been scripts written. There's it's it's almost gotten the green light. Then it got shut down. Well, didn't they say the script's been written for a year or two? For a year or two. Yeah, yeah. And Ewan McGregor has just been waiting, just waiting. He's, hello. Yeah, he's been hello. Hello. Where's the script? It's not ready yet. God damn it. Hello. <laughs> but like, we all know that it's been in that film phase, and you take that into context when about the stuff that me and you have discussed about how. Disney's strategy now seems to be refocusing and retooling to actually go to streaming services. So it makes sense that I wouldn't be surprised if this this project that was slated to be an eight episode. Is it series, eight episodes? Is that what it was? I believe it I was eight remember. episodes. So eight, Luke, eight to ten. Eight to ten, I think. Here, let me let me search really fast. Hold on. Yeah, just one sec. Let's pull it up. It says it will. There's no confirmation. It says the Obi Wan series, according to latest reports, will likely run for six or eight episodes. Okay, six to eight. Yeah. So it, they probably took the original feature length script that 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 they had written, and they probably fleshed it out, beefed it up, gave it some more, you know, oomph, a little more meat, and that's what we're gonna be getting. Yeah, with especially with that time. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I'm I'm fine with that. Like, listen, this is. I'm not a fan of movies i've said this before it was one of my issues that i had with favaro taking the reins of the mandalorian but then i felt better when filoni was in charge favaro is a fantastic director but that does not equate to a man that can control a tv show we have seen various tv shows that flounder and fail because they are being helmed by feature film directors and those are two different animals very 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 different yeah but but Dave, I mean, this is a new era. I always say, hey, why stick to the normal formulaic way we've been doing business for how many years TV has been around for 50, 60 years? Hey, we're in a new era. We have streaming services. Let's take advantage of the technology. Let's take advantage of the platform and possibly do something different. As long as it works, then why not experiment with how they do it? Oh, yeah. And going back to Deborah Chow's resume, I mean, if you take a look at her resume before being announced by to do obi-wan you have american gods you have better call saul you have jessica jones lost in space man from high castle fear of the walking dead so she's used to this type of series streaming series service iron fist rain all those all those are basically series that live and die by streaming service yep so she knows what she's doing. So this is different than, you know, say like Kathleen Kennedy trying to bring in new blood, new talent, new directors and trying to do different things like the Garrison. She's Edwards directed TV stuff. before. She's directed TV before. Yeah, she's not a rookie. And she knows what she's doing. I'm I'm honestly I'm honestly really psyched, especially after seeing her IMDB, because she knows what she's doing. Well, dude, I love how Kathleen Kennedy introduces her. To everyone in this press release, she says, we really wanted to select a director who is able to explore both the quiet determination and rich mystique of Obi-Wan. 
fuck, dude. I'm excited for this series. I'm excited for this series. I exactly. might be more excited for this than The Mandalorian. Yes, The Mandalorian looks amazing, especially with these new promos they dropped on us. But it's Obi-Wan. It's Ewan McGregor. Oh, yeah. It's got a name already attached to it and a character that all of us fans gravitate towards. Yeah. Now, let's talk about these new posters that were dropped a few <laughs> days ago. Uh, the Mandalorian promo poster that has all the characters in the promo. All it did was just make me that much more confident in this series because it lives up to what we keep hearing about this series. First off, it looks like it's a page ripped from an Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. Yes, it is. I mean, it looks like something that we would see from, you know, uh, an art illustration of the Prentice of Mars series. It's fantastic. It might be one of the best Star Wars promo posters I've seen in the last 10 years. It yeah. is that good, in it, my opinion. It there, There's actually... To its format, because I'm looking at it now, the way it's formatted is just perfect. It fits the style. Well, it Dave, it's what Star Wars is. It says promos should always promos should do exactly what it promos should do exactly what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to promote. It's supposed to give you an idea of what the story will be about. It's why it's why I had some issues with uh, some of the past Star Wars posters. I don't think it was designed to promote the story and what we're going to see it was more designed to create misdirection whereas with this poster it's giving you a clear idea of what to expect this is a pulpy throwback to an era of star wars that i think a lot of us miss especially the use of the western stylings because that's what it fits yeah that's what the style it fits i mean you have to stick not with narrative themes but also visual themes of what you're doing this is a perfect example of a show that is in good hands and i know the show hasn't come out and it very well may suck i don't think so i highly doubt I it i hope so yeah but when you see this type of marketing you understand that it gives confidence because you get the you get the impression that there is complete control over the story and the idea. That's the difference between this and like, you know, me and you have criticized the episode nine poster. It's a little silly. It's a little silly. This has actually context behind it. And that's what you got to do. You got to set up like this anticipation, this, this sense of gravitas when it, when it comes to a series and know your themes when you yeah. look at like the Star Wars, the episode nine poster, it's kind of like, well, there's no theme behind it. You just plaster characters there and it just looks like everyone's Photoshopped together. <laughs> That's it. It's not really saying a lot. The, it's not the, the a lot. ones from last week, uh, the ones that were released on Star Wars Insider, I felt like was definitely saying something. But the standard one sheets that will be released at theaters. It's a. It's just showing our characters. It's not really stating much, and I it's don't not think much. not everything needs to be visually poetic, but it definitely helps. But there, but there is something that I miss about that old ways. It's it. It's something that I've noticed that a lot of not just Star Wars, but a lot of movies now go days where their posters, their movie poster, it's like a lost art. Oh it yeah, it really is for sure. It's like we just post up the title. Post up a random image and that's it. There's do anything for yeah, me. And I, and I, I, I look at it and 
my brother has a bunch of those posters up, and I'm like, going, they look good, but I wouldn't yeah. want to hang it in the poster well, because there's no style to it. There's just different types of promotions. You have the ones that are just designed for flair and that are eye-catchy, and then you have the ones that obviously we like and the ones we're talking about. And not, I'm not saying one is better than the other, and I don't think that's the case. I feel like when it comes to Star Wars, though, the posters have always said something. They've said always, something. Yeah, yeah, there's always more to it than simply, hey, look, this is our characters. They're holding sabers. And uh, that's why I totally dig the Mandalorian. Now, mm-hmm. the, the the Mandalorian poster. Now, looking at the latest Empire cover, uh, Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker cover variants revealed for Empire Magazine's November issue. I think I'm going to have to pick these up. Now, these images are pretty cool. There's one that does say a lot. And we were talking about visual poetry and how a promo can convey an idea, a theme, a message, a story aspect. This one does. You have Ray, Kylo Ren standing side by side. This marketing goes right back to the Force Awakens marketing. It goes to show you that J.J. Abrams isn't fixing The Last Jedi. I know a lot of people are saying that. I don't necessarily agree he's fixing. I feel like he's trying to bring back his the aspects of the story that he had started, which would make sense. You have the director who started it, and now he's also the director that's ending it. So you have this clear idea of the light and the dark. They're not just stating it like what Snoke said in The Last Jedi, but the images back up the general theme of what governed The Force Awakens and parts of The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I dig that. I dig that a lot because it makes me feel confident with what jj has done with the rise of skywalker but we shall see we shall see now we're running out of time so let's move into this last bit of news here new star wars jedi fallen order trailer hits oh my god this game (laughs) the web with thunderous applause yeah thunderous applause man dave this trailer could do no wrong this trailer definitely gets me hyped up uh jedi fallen order the StarWars.com livestream event taking place at Pinewood in London uh, had revealed new products from the upcoming Star Wars releases this year, The Rise of Skywalker, The Mandalorian, and Jedi Fallen Order. And a lot of people are saying that they had dropped this because, A, the movie's coming out, or the game's coming out in just two short months, or, well, one, about one month from now. But also getting us ready, primed and ready for Force Friday because there will be a lot of merchandise tied to this game. That's tied to this game. Now, Dave, this is the now I've been excited since day one when yes. they announced this. But after watching this trailer, I am that much more excited because it's not what I expected with this story. No, not not from. I'll I'll be honest. I've gone on record saying that I'm very hesitant about this game due to the fact of ea's past because they're the ones right. that are yeah. distributing this yeah, we've talked about it yeah however the more more and more information comes out about this game i'm i'm solidly getting behind it well now. in the trailer dave it looks like they're going to be continued this is the key takeaway for me okay and i will post this trailer on the website raymandigitalmedia.com with our discussion once it goes on demand It looks like they're going to be continuing this Vader story that they had started a couple years ago. We saw elements of it within the recent VR Vader Immortal series. Yes. 
I have not had a chance to play episode two yet. I'm sure they're going to expand on it. And of course, in the 2017 Sith Lords Marvel comic run. Yes. Highly mystical. It delves way deep into the Star Wars mystic- into Star Wars mysticism. And it looks like they're continuing with that. Now, yes, the, the lead character, the protagonist of this series will no doubt have his own story. But it looks like things will be running parallel with what Vader is doing as well. They direct, they actually state as much in the trailer. They're talking about something that he is looking for, which is exactly what he's looking for in the Sith Lords Marvel comic series, Mm -hmm. as well as the Vader VR series. So the fact that we're getting what they have always said we would get these interconnected stories, this has the potential to tie up, not loose ends, but tie together several stories that we have gotten over the last couple of years and several and all those stories have been really good, really good, because really, really good. Everything dealing with Vader has been pretty fantastic. And if this is delving into Vader territory as well, then I mean, dude, I mean, if they're connecting Cal's story to Vader in some way, I mean, especially with the comic recently that we covered on a show, the Marvel comic issue number one fallen jedi dark temple Mm -hmm. we immediately in that issue get the idea that there's something very wrong going on yeah that there's 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 allusions to the dark side obviously if you're dealing with the jedi right in the in a, a dark temple yes but now we see just how deep this may go this story and how intrinsically tied it may be to one of the greatest characters in star wars history anakin skywalker aka Lord Vader himself. And honestly, if it ties into anything about Darth Vader's search for Jedi relics or force relics, I'm not even going to say Jedi or Sith relics. They're force relics. That is fantastic because yeah. all those stories have broadened the, the story of Star Wars in, at the force level. Yep. I want everyone to watch this trailer. I will post it on our site, RaymanDigitalMedia.com. It'll be available on the same page as this show when it goes on demand. Dave, this concludes this week's discussion. We will be away for a couple of weeks. We have one more show coming out this week. And then after that, we'll be gone until after October 14th. We're taking our usual fall break. Usually we take it in early September. This year we did not. We were too busy. Uh, so we're taking it in October. Yes. That'll be two weeks. And then we come back for our busiest season our busiest time of the year which is mid-october until december i'm talking the busiest season ever for us well for you and i for the entire network has always been busy but it's that much more busy with everything that's happening with star wars yep so we got to take that two week break so that we can be rested up and ready to go all right dave thank you thank you may the force be with us Ah, yes